We've been in the series Operation Spiritual Gifts this morning, Miraculous Gifts That Manifest. Miraculous Gifts That Manifest. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning with verse 9, it says in verse 4 that there are diversities of the gifts but the same Spirit, and then it goes through those verses as I've read to you the past few weeks. Then it gets to verse 9 and it says, To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the workings of miracles. The working of miracles. We live in a culture today, a church culture, particularly in the United States of America, that makes fun of healing ministries, that pokes fun at televangelists and those who have the gift of healing. We think it's funny and we, we would rather criticize than we would spiritually investigate. But I believe with all of my heart that healing is available, that God still heals that he still does supernatural things. I believe that God can still move, he can still heal, that he still speaks. I, I don't serve a dead Savior, I serve a risen Savior. I believe with all of my heart that the power of Pentecost is still available today. If it is not, then I need to get into another profession because if Jesus Christ is not raised from the dead and the gifts aren't available today, then I would rather be playing golf I enjoy speaking, but I don't enjoy it to the degree that I just want to get up as an echo chamber. I believe that when I speak on behalf of God, He hears and He moves, amen? The day that I stop believing that God moves is the day that I stop preaching, is the day that I stop pastoring. Why anyone would want to do this without the power of God is beyond me. Why anybody would want to get up and preach or pray or sit at the hospital with sick folks or travel as an apostle or speak as a prophet or evangelize or serve or sing in a choir or lead a praise team or, or drive on a parking lot or be in a group or whatever your gifting may be. Why anybody would want to do that without the power of God is beyond me. I need his power this morning. I need his anointing this morning. When I'm weak, he is strong. But it talks about these miraculous gifts that manifest. And the first miraculous gift is the gift of faith. God has been teaching me so much over the years about faith. It's such a hard thing to grasp faith. We can quote the scriptures. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. We've been given faith to move mountains. We can quote these things. But to really operate in faith is a much more difficult task. I was feeling very weak before we traveled to Virginia. And what I try to do when I'm spiritually weak and emotionally weak is I try to get around people who will build my faith. So the first person I, I wanted to be around was Mary Edson, Teresa Bryant's mother. Three times in my life, she sent me notes. First two, I really didn't know who she was. I didn't even know she was related to Teresa. She would send me notes of encouragement. The last one she sent me was in December. When I found out she was sick, the hospice chaplain called me and I made time to go visit her. My God. Days away from death, I was going there to say my goodbyes and pay my respects and she would have none of it. She was holding on to her healing. She was holding on to her faith. The last thing she said to me was, I'm going to be healed. And she was. 
And she's with Jesus now. But I'm telling you, I left that place in tears. And then Jim and Roger and Brad and I, I said, before we get on the road, can we stop in Ottawa and see Brother Bob Madaris? I said, I feel led in my spirit to go by and see this 90-year-old man who's blind, who was a pastor here before my father was called here in 79, who for years would knock on doors and tell people about Jesus and serve this church for many years and then served it without a paycheck for many other years. One of the godliest men I know, one of the strongest evangelists that I know. And again, I thought I was going there to minister to him. But when we got there, he said, can I pray for you? And he started to pray the 10 blessings of Ephesians over myself and Roger, a Vietnam veteran, and Jim and Brad in politics. And I'm telling you, we started to cry and the Holy Spirit entered that room. He began to talk about when Billy Graham was here and he began to speak into our lives and he wanted to know where we were going to preach and he wanted to pray for us that people would be saved. And I'm telling you, when you get around people of faith... It'll build your faith. And I'm telling you, I got filled that in that moment. And I was able to take that to Virginia. And I was able to overflow. So sometimes when, when you don't have faith, you need to be around people that do walk in faith. People that can stand in the midst of controversy and turmoil and speak the name of Jesus. That believe that God can still move. Faith is the foundation for the manifestation of power in our lives. Romans chapter 12 says, do not think in verse three of yourselves more highly than you ought for each one is given a measure, a metron of faith. We've all been given a measure of faith. My faith doesn't look like your faith and your faith doesn't look like my faith. But with a little bit of it, we can move mountains, amen? We can see things change for the glory of God. So you must understand that faith is the foundation for the manifestation of these miraculous gifts. What does it mean to have faith? It's the ability to speak into the lives of your children that are away from the Lord and call out to them what they are going to be, not dwell on where they are now. You've got to be able to see into the kingdom and to see what God wants you to see about your children and grandchildren. It's the ability to look into a building that's not full and see it full. It's the ability to look into a bank account that's not big, but see it big. It's the ability to look at a sick person and say, rise, pick up your bedroll and walk. It is the ability to see, to look, to activate and to speak into that which is dead and to see it come alive, amen? We need faith if we're going to see God move. You must have faith. If you don't have faith, then you're never going to see God do anything. You've got to have faith. You've got to be able to speak it when you have trouble believing it. You've got to be able to see it when no one else can see it. You've got to be able to trust it when the people around you are saying, I'm not so sure, you've got to be sure. That's what faith does. Faith is not only the foundation for the manifestation of these miraculous gifts, it is God's gift to us all. It says in Ephesians 4, it is by grace we've been saved through faith and not that of ourselves. It is the gift of God. We think grace is the gift, but faith is the gift. The ability to believe in that which you can't see. I'm telling you, I've been around some people this week who were able to believe for heaven and they haven't seen it. 
able to believe in Jesus and they haven't seen him. You've got to be able to believe that God can do something. For we are his workmanship. God created us, strategically created us. We have our own rhyme, our own method. We are beautiful in the sight of God is what that word workmanship means. Created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We have to walk in this faith. It's easier to preach than to do, amen? How many of you have ever made an investment? You got to have faith that that's going to bring a harvest, amen? How many of you have ever put your faith in a person believing the best about them, but you can't just put your faith in them, you have to walk that thing out with them to see them become who God called them to be? It takes phenomenal patience to be able to disciple someone into their destiny. It's what God has called us to do. We're not just to record decisions and add members. We've got to walk with people through the trials of their lives. Faith is a lifestyle, not an emotion. That's one of the things I'm learning about faith is it is a lifestyle, not an emotion. I can have a great day of faith or a great moment of faith, but if faith doesn't become my lifestyle, then I'm falling short of God's glory for my life. I've got to hold on to the belief that my kids are healed, that my kids are blessed, that my kids are going to be successful, that they're going to be able to do more in the kingdom than me. I've got to hold on to that faith. I've got to walk that faith out. It has to be my lifestyle, not an emotion. It's not an emotion. It's not just like when you see a movie that brings you to tears or you hear an old song that brings you to tears. Faith is the ability to walk this faith life out and believe God for all that he's promised us. Faith sees what we can't. Faith comes from the Lord. It's activated by the Holy Spirit. It's lived out through our mind, our will, and our emotions, and it sees what we can't. Behavior scientists talk about the reticular activating system. It's right above the spinal cord. It's a group of neurons, and they call this particular group, they call it the gatekeepers of your mind, your will, and your emotion. It has to do with your mind and how you sense things, your sensory. And I believe with all of my heart that we can find the law of attraction and the law of intent in God's Word. The reticular activating system simply says this, whatever you look for, you will find. Whatever you program your ears and your mind to see and to believe, that's what you will believe. So if you are seeing negativity, you're going to have negativity. If you are seeing the worst of something, you're going to experience the worst of that. But if you are seeing the best in something, then you're going to experience the ecstasy that comes with being your best, and seeing people at their best. You see, some of you are programmed to see the worst in everybody, to see the worst in your church, to see the worst in people, to see the worst in ministry, and we all struggle with that. 
But God by faith wants you to be able to see the best in people and you can train your mind to believe and to see the best in people. It uses an example of an automobile. If you long for, say, a red Corvette and you've studied them and you've looked after them online and, and, and you've, you've, you notice them everywhere you go, then it says over a period of time when you're driving down the highway, you may not see the Benz and you, you may not see the Ford and you may not see the Chevys, but you'll notice the Corvette because it's previously been in your mind. But the Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So you can train your mind to see certain things and to believe certain things. And you have to be around people that see what you see or that at least want to see what you see. You have to be around people that have faith, that build you up, that don't tear you down. I don't want to be around pessimistic people. Put me around optimistic people. I want to be around people of faith that can be laying there blind and still give God praise and glory. Can be a few days away from heaven giving God praise and glory. They can be in the struggle and give God praise and glory. I heard Brother Randy Franks preach a funeral for Paula Hall's dad yesterday. Preach the paint off the walls. I was so ready for heaven after that funeral, I wanted to do laps. One of the guys from the funeral home came to me and he said, Brother Ronnie, he said, I'm Pentecostal and I don't see why these people wasn't running around when that old boy preached. I said, and guess what? He's blind. He's up there preaching blind, preaching faith on people, preaching heaven on people. Oh, I want that kind of faith. Faith doesn't allow circumstances to define you, to stop you, to hinder you. The devil wants to kill you. But faith will propel you into your destiny and into your future. It sees what we can. It makes hope a reality. Hebrews 11, if I may for just a minute, this is not the text I want to land with, but I want to teach you the law of faith. It is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. So as I said, if you're going to be around somebody of faith, it will build your faith and we need to be around elders that have obtained a good testimony. That's why it's not okay just to have a young church, just to have a church full of millennials. We need to be around folks that have obtained a good testimony, that have seen things we haven't, that have walked through things we haven't. Oh, I know when I'm in the presence of somebody that's been through something. Oh, I used to look at preachers on stages like this and I used to think, man, they have it all. Now I think, my God, what did they have to go through to get there? What pain did their family go through to get there? Oh, I'm telling you, we need to be around people that have obtained a good testimony. It goes on to say there in Hebrews 11, by faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. We've been given faith to overcome, faith to overcome. What else does it say? By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. God framed the universe with faith. He spoke it, let there be light. Psalms 33 says, for he spoke and it was done and it stood fast. When God spoke faith, the worlds were created. And that same faith he's given us to overcome. We can find faith in the word of God. We can find faith in giving. 
and through sacrifice. That's what the Abel story is all about. A sacrifice that pleased God, that made man jealous, and that caused sin. I'm telling you, God will give you the faith that you need in his word. He'll give you the faith to give, to sow, to sacrifice. There's faith for our giving. Talks about Enoch who walked with God. One of the few that walked with him to the degree that he transitioned into glory as he was walking. I want that kind of faith this morning. But God will give you faith in intimacy like Enoch. You can have faith in intimacy. You say, I don't feel like praying. The faith will carry you into your prayer closet. I don't feel like worshiping. Faith will carry you into a place of worship. I don't feel like doing what God has called me to do. Faith will move you into doing what you're called to do. When you are weak, he is made strong. When you are faithless, he remains faithful. Miraculous miracles. We need faith, man. We need faith to believe. Faith magnetically draws other people who have faith. Some of them have not received faith, have not activated the faith, but they'll be magnetically drawn to the faith that lives on the inside of you if you'll speak it. You ever notice people of faith, people want to be around them. They don't understand why. I was talking to my wife yesterday, and I was actually, not to go back to this, but it moved me to so much, I was talking about Brother Randy's sermon at the funeral. It was just powerful how he preached with such an anointing. And Kelly said, man, I didn't know Randy had that in him. I said, I said, Randy wasn't the most educated, but he got his education. But I said, all of his churches grew because of the power of God and the ability to love people. I said, he's been like that before he was minister. I would stay at his house and every night he'd make us get on our knees and pray. Seven or eight boys. I said, he was pastoring long before he was a pastor. And I said, you know what, Kelly? I said, when, when Derek died, whew, 18 years ago, I said, I was sitting at the funeral of a kid. My dad looked at me and he said, you're pastoring these people, you just don't know it. Whew. I'm telling you, if you've got faith inside of you, it just needs to be activated. And faith will carry you. Why are you where you are? Why do you speak the way you do? Why do you go the places you go? It's not by accident. Faith has carried you there. And faith has called you there. It speaks a better word, but also it puts a demand on your life to do what God has called you to do. By faith, Noah, being warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. So there's faith in agreement. Noah came into agreement with what God said when everybody else called him a fool. That's when you know if you got faith, if you can stand for God when everybody around you says you are nuts. God called me to preach and I answered at 23, just about every friend I had but three said he's nuts. He'll never do it. It's not going to happen. He's crazy. But God. I'm telling you, when you get a word from God, friend, you better stand on that word. You better walk that thing out. You don't back down. You don't shriek behind religion. You got to march forward with what God has called you to do. Everybody thought Noah was stupid till it started raining. And I'm telling you, 
Some of you may think me and my father are stupid for building this building. We may not live to see it full, but one day it's going to start raining. Whether we're here to see it or not, the power of God's going to be on this place. It's going to be full. And frankly, I don't care if I'm around if it happens or not because I've already seen it. It's going to happen. When we activate your faith and you activate the faith in other people in the community, we'll see this thing come to fruition. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of the place which he would receive as an inheritance. Not only faith in agreement, but faith in obedience. You know the story of Abraham. He was told to pack up and move. He became the father of our faith, taught us generational blessing. He was willing to move from what was comfortable. Then he was promised Isaac, and he had to wait 25 years, and he had to hold on to that promise. There were bumps along the way, Hagar's along the way, and Ishmael's along the way. You may have some bumps in your road, and you may try to help God along the way, but frankly, it doesn't matter because God's word will come to pass as it did for Abraham. And then when he received his blessed son, he was told to march up to Mount Moriah and sacrifice his son. Oh, but God put a ram in the thicket and Jehovah Jireh came and provided a sacrifice which would point to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ Oh, I'm telling you, we need faith in obedience, faith in the area of obedience. You know, sometimes it's hard to obey the Word of God. Sometimes it's hard to do what God's called us to do, but we need to have faith in our obedience. Talks about Isaac blessing Jacob and Esau and the battle over the birthright. There's faith in turmoil. <laughs> How many of you have family dysfunction this morning? There's faith in the midst of turmoil when things don't seem like they're going right. People are fighting with one another and you don't understand it because you didn't sow into it, but somehow God's plan just manages to form in the midst of turmoil. Why? Because his faith, his faith is powerful. Generational faith. Joseph, when he was dying, blesses his descendants. And Moses and all of the other saints mentioned, the elders that obtained a good testimony, Rahab, God could use a prostitute. God will use anybody if they have faith. I'm telling you, my God, we need faith. I feel the Holy Ghost. We need faith. We need faith. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the end of the world. But I say, did Israel not know? First Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. Let me tell you, if God can't get your attention, he'll use somebody else till it gets your attention. If he's called you and you reject it, God will use someone else. They'll pick up that mantle because his work will get done. Number two, healing is the outpouring of faith and agreement. Healing is the outpouring of faith and agreement. I believe that regions, nations, and individuals can be healed by faith. But there are a few things that need to take place for you to receive healing. The first is an open heaven. Atmosphere matters. 
Attitude matters. The ability to take action matters. God is not going to come down and fix you unless the atmosphere is right, your attitude is right, and you're willing to take action, a faith action, based on what God's Word already has said. He's not going to come down and robotically fix you. You need the atmosphere to be right. You need the right kind of attitude. New directives have to be embraced if you're going to be healed. You've got to be looking to new pathways. That pathway may take you through the wilderness or it may take you down the streets of gold, but it does not matter. You have to be open to new pathways and you have to make new determinations in your life if you're really going to see God move in a powerful way. After this, there was a feast of the Jews in John chapter 5 and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool which in Hebrew called Bethesda, Beth, house, Bethesda, house of mercy, having five porches. Don't get excited, Jones. I'm not preaching on the porch. I know you would want me to. The Bible says that Jesus is the sheep gate. Jesus Christ is the place we enter. For I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. So during the feast, Jesus goes up to Jerusalem. And I believe it's an honor to celebrate the feast because now we can find Jesus in them. But you must understand the kind of life Jesus lived. While the feast was going on, while the religious ceremony was going on, Jesus found it best to find his way to the sick folks. Sitting around waiting for their miracle. In this particular sheep gate, this pool of Bethesda, this house of mercy, there were five porches. And in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind people, lame people, paralyzed people, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. I see ritual, routine, and the same old, same old in this miracle. Now a certain man who was there who had an infirmity 38 years when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he'd already been in that condition a long time, he said to this man, do you want to be made well? So speaking of atmosphere, you need to understand that the pool of Bethesda was really not the right atmosphere for a miracle. These people had grown accustomed to laying by this pool as a victim Their family, their friends had grown accustomed to bringing them to this pool, to hearing their sad story. Everyone around them was used to them being sick and defeated. They'd grown comfortable in their defeat. And they would bring them to this pool of Bethesda, this house of mercy, knowing only one at most would get a miracle. And day after day, these people would feel sorry for themselves and they would talk amongst themselves and they would lay sick around this pool and there's a religious feast going on but Jesus says you know what I'm going to let the religious world be religious and I'm going to go to some sinners and so Jesus makes his way here and the atmosphere changes immediately 
Because you may not be in the right atmosphere, but when Jesus gets in your atmosphere, it becomes the right atmosphere. Because if you have the anointing from the Holy One in 1 John 4, if you have the anointing of Jesus, when you walk into a dead atmosphere, it becomes alive. When you walk into a sick atmosphere, it becomes well. When you walk into an atmosphere of darkness, your light shines. God can change the atmosphere. And when Jesus walked by faith into this negative victim mentality, victim-minded atmosphere, things changed. And there's this man who's been there 38 years, and Jesus says to him, do you want to be made well? This passage of Scripture changed my life. It was the first message I ever preached. It's one of my favorite things to preach on the road. I preach it differently there. But it changed my life because I looked at my story and, and I heard the voice of God saying to my spirit, do you really want what you're asking me for? And you need to ask yourself this morning, do you really want what you've been asking God for? Do you really want to be made well? There's a price to be paid. There's a determination to be weighed. There's a devil to be slayed. Just because you get your miracle doesn't mean... <laughs> that it's over for you. That the rest of it's going to be easy. No, it's going to get harder. How many of you, when you got saved, your life got easier? Oh, it's better because Jesus lives in you. All you did was suit up for a fight. Jesus says, do you want to be made well? And then this man, been lying there 38 years, <laughs> says... Yes, yeah, sort of, but every time I try to get into the water, somebody else gets in before me, and it's this sad story, and oh, this and that and the other thing. And you can imagine the anointed one standing there listening to this, like probably he looks and listens to the things we say. Some of you have gotten so used to telling your same old sad story that it's become your identity, and your identity is supposed to be in Jesus Christ. But your identity is in your story. I'm a drug addict. I'm an alcoholic. I'm a loser. My family was this, and I didn't have a dad, and I didn't have this, and, and I was falsely accused and abused. And Your identity's in your story. Your identity's not supposed to be in your story. That's not who you are. You're a son of the Most High God. You're an heir to the promise. You're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You are loved for who you are. You are called according to his goodness and his greatness. You have a gift from on high. You have an anointing from the Holy One. God wants to use you, but you got to quit telling your same old story. I mean it. I got tired of telling my same old story. It's time to write a new story. It's time to turn the page and do what God's called you to do. Jesus looks at this man after hearing him say all this. He says, rise take up your bedroll and walk. And immediately the man was made well, healed during a religious feast. See, the church is always celebrating what used to be and missing out on what God's doing in the present. Jesus is always in the now. And the church is always lagging behind. I'm telling you, we need the power of God now. We need God to move now. 
We don't need to wait another day. We don't need to hope for tomorrow. We need the hope that is Jesus to manifest itself miraculously right now. You need an open heaven to receive a miracle, but you need an open heart. The Holy Spirit unlocks the supernatural and manifests itself in spiritual water for thirsty people. Jesus said, if any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Are you thirsty? Are you hungry? Do you need a miracle? Are you tired of telling your same old story? Because everybody around you is tired of hearing it. It's not fair. It wasn't fair. I get it. But it's time to rise up and be who God has called you to be. It's time to take the fight to the devil. It's time to walk in the anointing that comes from Jesus. Stop making excuses. Stop strategizing and ask the Spirit to do something in your life. You can't figure it out. Faith it out. Faith it out. You need an open atmosphere. When Jesus enters your atmosphere, it becomes an open heaven. You need an open heart and you need an open mouth. You need an open mouth. The confession of your faith has the power to unlock the supernatural. You need to learn to speak faith out of your mouth. Speak faith out of your mouth. Listen to John chapter 11. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sister sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God and that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Some of you are walking through sickness and pain and weakness. What you don't understand is you are a walking miracle. You will be healed on the other side of glory, but God is using your story to bring glory to his kingdom. I'm sure there are days you wish he'd write a new story, but perseverance is to his glory. Perseverance is your story. It's what needs to be shared with the world. God wants to use you, but the moment Jesus spoke that, things changed. And later he would say, Lazarus, come forth. And while he was stinking in the grave, he would come out of that grave. I believe that Jesus is more than the sinner's prayer. He's a God that still heals. He still destroys the power of the enemy when we lift his name up on high. We've got to learn to speak faith. Boy, that's hard. You got to be able to speak it when you can't see it. Speak it when you don't feel it. Speak it when it doesn't even feel right. It feels funny. Let it come roll off your tongue. Faith. Watch it change the atmosphere. Watch it change the hearts of people. Watch it lead them to make a confession of faith out of their mouth. That's what it does. Number three, miracles, faith, healing, and miracles. Miracles are the fruits of the harvest that the body is to celebrate. You see, Abba's house, we've got to get a little bit more excited when God moves. I don't want to be critical, but we used to scream and shout when people would get baptized. Now we do this. We don't even get out of our groups in time to celebrate it. We've had people healed here in the past month. I don't feel the celebration. I don't feel the joy. 
Man, we got to get to where we're celebrating things not only when they happen, but in advance of when they happen. We've got to start praising God like it's already happened. We've got to praise God for the yesterday, but we've got to praise Him today, and we've got to praise Him in the future and for our future. Psalms 149 says, Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. How many of you need some joy? Paul would say, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving in your heart. Let your requests be made known to God. If you need healing right now, let your requests be known to God in this atmosphere. Just in your heart. To ask God for what you need. Ask God for what you need. And it says, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Bow your head and close your eyes. I want you to do business with God right where you are. What do you need? Begin to ask God for it. Maybe you need Jesus. Maybe you need the Holy One in your heart. Ask God for it. Ask God to come into your heart and save you, fill you with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you need healing in your body. Maybe you have a family member that's sick. Maybe you have a family member that's struggling. Begin to ask God for it. Begin to pray. But move from the ask to the expect. Begin to expect God to do what he said he would do. By faith. Stir your faith up in your spirit to receive your miracle this morning. Oh, you've got to transition from the ask to the expect. That's what supplication is. Prayer is about asking. Supplication is about expecting. And thanksgiving is about praising him like it's already been done. So I challenge you this morning to move from the ask to the expect. But even beyond that, I want us to enter into a time of thanksgiving together and worship. I want us to celebrate the God of the universe through worship and through our testimony and through our, throughout our entire life. We need to celebrate the goodness of God. If you don't know Jesus Christ and you've been asking and you've moved into a place of expectation, I just want you to pray this prayer in your heart. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But if you confess with your mouth in Romans the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So if you're asking, you're expecting, pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Lord, please come into my heart and save me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and use me for your glory. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer, in just a moment, you ought to run down this aisle. Nobody should have to play four songs and you should run down the aisle by faith. It should move you down the aisle. I'm gonna ask our pastors to go ahead and get in position. I'd like a couple section pastors in the back, at least two, maybe more. Here's what we're going to do this morning. If there's an empty spot, somebody fill it. In just a moment, I want you to run down this aisle if you prayed to receive Jesus. I'll meet you right over here. But for the rest of you, you need healing. You need faith. 
You need the anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life to activate greater works. And so we're going to be praying for the power of the Holy Spirit to come on your life. We're going to be praying for your healing. This will start today, but it will finish this Wednesday. If you prayed to receive Jesus or you want to come in covenant with this church, I'll meet you right over here. But if you need healing, you go to one of these pastors. Pastors, I want you to make your way. After they've made their way to you, I want you to cover these sections, every one of them in prayer for healing and for the Holy Ghost. Everyone stand on your feet. Heavenly Father, we welcome your anointing, your power and your glory into this place. Thank you for your healing. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your faith. We thank you that you're still in the supernatural business. Heavenly Father, we ask for the miracle. We expect the miracle. But Lord, we celebrate your goodness, your creation, your power, and your anointing today. And we declare Abba's house is healed and whole and anointed by you for the workings of faith. Move and move in power, Father. In Jesus' name.